Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth, where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we are continuing our series on spiritual cryptids. Now, last week we did werewolves. Today we decided to delve into vampiric lore, see if there was any spiritual connection there. And I think we have found some interesting stuff. But uh, before we delve into it, as Eric announced last week, we just opened the Paratruth Plus Club on uh, Patreon. It's a Patreon-based Plus Club where you just pay $5 a month. You get access to all of our archives from Season 1 to 5, which go all the way back to 2014, as well as you get a personal thank you from us. You get uh, a chance to win some free Paratruth swag. Uh, access to our Discord server, and access to Crime Crack, our sister show that's about true crime. Now, I am looking at trying to get other stuff on there, like old episodes of other sister shows that we've done. Um, I haven't had a much luck finding all of the the archives for those, but I'm still working on it. And I am going to try and start uh, doing... Uh, advertisement free shows that we upload to Patreon for all the newer shows. From So from here on out, if you are a Paratruth Plus Club member, you will not have any breaks in the show. So you have to sign up to the Plus Club in order to get that. So getting into spiritual vampires or, or the... Uh, we found a little bit of demonic connection to vampires, uh, and I actually found something which I didn't tell you about, um, but I'll get into it after we go through the other stuff about uh, kind of like vegan vampires. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, why don't we just begin with probably the most basic of uh, spiritual vampires, and that is, of course, the psychic vampire. Uh, the reason I kind of want to get into this is because it's relatively simple and straightforward, and it'll lead us into the other three, which have a much stronger connection uh, to each other. Yeah. So 
The psychic vampire we've talked about in the past and actually is something that I didn't really know much about until probably 2010, 2011. Around the uh, when I, well, yeah, when we were doing the Night Stalker stuff, but I, I, uh, I think the reason we even brought it up uh, was because I had learned about it uh, on one of the news channels. There was some type of, uh, what would they call it? A segment done on vampires in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, and it was like a vampire club, uh, but they were specifically talking about psychic vampires, uh, along with other vampire clubs in which people would go and choose whoever they wanted to like get a get with, and they would share each other's blood, which is also really gross. But facts here, folks. Those are facts. People really do that. Um, Anyway, the second vampire is basically another myth creature, uh, mythological creature. Uh, here we're using them in our cryptid series because they can be considered both spiritual and cryptid, I think. They're said to feed off of a, the life force of other living creatures. Uh, one would think, well, don't all vampires live off of a life force because blood is indeed a life force. But in the psychic vampire, it's actually feeding off of one's spirit or energy, uh, depending on what your belief is. So... <clears throat> what's really interesting about this is the majority of psychic vampires don't even know that they're psychic vampires. Uh, these are people who are often like very down, kind of lonely, don't have many friends. Uh, they, they find themselves very bored with life. Uh, no matter how much they gain, they're always feeling empty or just bored. And those are the type of people that tend to draw energy from other individuals uh, without ever knowing it. But then there's other psychic vampires who know that they're doing it and they've learned to control this, whatever it is, uh, to basically feed off the life force, the energy or the spirit of another person uh, and give themselves more energy. A lot of these psychic vampires are usually very low on energy and are kind of sluggish. So when they feed off of someone else's energy, they become pretty much like it's kind of like a high for them. Mm according to the research. Uh, it's kind of like a caffeine buzz in a way. So they tend to do this and sometimes they'll have to do it more and more and more. Now, what's really interesting about psychic vampires is you would think because they're psychic, uh, they wouldn't have too much of an effect on their host. But apparently there's a chance, uh, and I don't know how much like uh, evidence there is to, to support it, but according to the research, someone who's being attacked by a psychic vampire can not only feel tired and drained, but they can actually end up with some pretty serious uh, physical illnesses uh, due to that energy being drained away. Uh, I guess, it, you know, you think of it as like you need a certain amount of energy to keep the blood, uh, the white blood cell count up to help you stay healthy, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, people who start to get really low on energy, people who don't sleep all the time, their health starts to lack because their body's not able to continue to cooperate right. uh, as it would on a normal basis. So it's believed that if you're starting to feel this way on a regular basis, you're starting to feel, you know, kind of ill or tired and drained. Maybe you're being attacked by some type of psych psychic vampire. Um, now what's interesting about psychic vampires is, as I said, not everyone knows that they are one, but even the ones that do, they're, they're not like your typical, you know, you, I think there's this weird kind of, I don't know if it's like a movie myth or a book myth where vampires are like these gothic, you know, wear trench coats or they're right. pale and, you know, walk around, you know, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's actually, uh, a lot more difficult to spot a psychic vampire than you would think. 
because psychic vampires can be your next door neighbor. They could be a businessman. They could be like television stars, movie stars. They could be your family members. Uh, they could be like pretty much anybody can be a psychic vampire, whether they know it or not. So these are people who are typically not like all about vampirism, but still drawing energy. And I think, you know, we, I think if you think about it, there's probably a few people in your life you can think, oh, maybe that's a psychic vampire because they're constantly draining you in some way, emotionally or otherwise. Well, I mean, I think everybody can name at least one person in their lives that have that effect on them. So, um, and I think we, I don't know if we watched it together, but I think you and I have watched at least one or two documentaries on psychic vampires as well. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. I, th- I think I watched one which actually had Guiley in it uh, for a, uh, for one of them, and there was another one. I can't think of her name. There's this one person who I don't know if she is a psychic vampire or if she just studied psychic vampires. But you and I had actually met her, uh, if I'm not mistaken. We had her on the show once, but we also met her um, at Scarefest. Uh, I think it was the first year we went, um, and I thought that was really interesting because I saw her on this documentary. Which I mean, a lot of the people we talk with. On the shore that we've met, we've seen on documentaries or met, you know, through through the uh, uh, the paranormal circuit thing. Um, but it's still interesting because you know you see some of these people that you know on TV talking about it, and it's weird because sometimes they give you information on TV that you don't normally get in an interview, or they have new information because they're still studying it. Uh, but it's like, hey, that's that, that's interesting. But um, Michelle Bellinger. Is the that's movie. it yes thank you i don't that's know if exactly. we were ever able to get her on the show but we did get to meet her yeah and um, that was a long time ago yeah <laughs> um she was actually one on on the documentary that i saw which i think you and i had actually watched together that um gave the best or the most explanation because mm-hmm. she is a practicing energy vampire, psychic vampire, whatever they want to call themselves. I don't know. Um, and it was just really interesting to, to talk to her about this stuff. I mean, she's written books about countless other things, but uh, due to what we're talking about, I mean, she's had at least, I believe, two books. One about regular vamp, or you know, the blood sucking vampires, and one about energy vampires. And right, it's it was just fascinating to hear her explain stuff because, like I said, she she claims to be a practicing energy vampire. So, um, right, I, I think that uh, she had even went into, I mean pretty much what you just said there i mean anybody you can think of that just drained you could possibly be this energy or psychic vampire that just feeds off of your your spirit or your energy instead of your lifeblood so Mm -hmm. um the interesting thing about this um about this topic spiritual vampires is I mean that's basically it as far as psychic vampires is concerned. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's really interesting is like, you know, I think there, there's this. I mean, it's both movies and books, but it's also just 
lore. It's old lore uh, about different ways to protect yourself from vampires. Uh, things like the crosses and holy water and uh, garlic and all that stuff. Which, of course, none of that works for a psychic vampire because a psychic vampire isn't inherently evil. Uh, this is something or somebody who may not even know that they're a vampire. But with that said, there are ways, supposedly, that one can protect themselves from a psychic vampire. And I thought it might be kind of fun to go ahead and share some of those yeah. uh, because this could be actually very important uh, for, for just, just for life. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that, <laughs> as we said earlier, uh, it's hard to spot a, a psychic vampire because they pretty much look like anybody. Uh, so one thing you want to do is try to figure out whether or not this person is uh, indeed a psychic vampire. And the best way to determine that is to figure out what type of person you are. If you're kind of, uh, if you're kind and compassionate, empathetic, uh, generous, even you're somebody that a psychic vampire might latch onto because you would have a lot of energy stores for that vampire. Now, the best way to know who those vampires are is to consider what the person or people are doing to you. Uh, so in this case, you might consider somebody who like, is constantly trying to make you feel sorry for them, or they might be trying to guilt trip you into spending time with them or trying to be very manipulative, uh, manipulative, uh, and play on your good nature. Uh, so these kind of people are the ones you want to be very aware of, uh, and be cautious around because those are the type of people that will generally wear you down. Those are the psychic vampires. Uh, and I definitely know people, I know Justin and I both know people who are like this. Uh, but those are the type of people you're looking out for. So with that said, the best things you can do to protect yourself from them is one, limit the time spent with those psychic vampires. Uh, there's somebody, a colleague, a friend, a family member who's constantly bringing you down, constantly trying to make you feel sorry for them or feel like you should be working harder to make them happy. Those are the people you want to limit your time with. The second one is to choose activities carefully. Uh, Staying indoors with them with a film and a bottle of wine might be a bad choice, for example, because you're kind of held captive. You're kind of stuck there. So you pretty much want to do something that's more of an interactive activity maybe with other people, uh, something that allows uh, kind of allows you to put some distance between yourself and whoever it is that the psychic vampire is. Another one is to practice self-care. Now, after spending time with uh Anyone who's after energy, uh, you'll, of course, need time to recuperate. So if you know you will have to spend time with a draining person, try to plan a fun or relaxing activity afterward. Uh, this could basically help you to kind of relax your mind, build your energy back up, and not worry so much about whatever it is anybody's saying or however they're trying to drain you. So along with practice self-care, you want to protect your energy. This is number four. All right, so protecting your energy basically is uh, trying to care for yourself as much as you care for other people and really probably try to care for yourself a little bit more. Uh, it is very important that you care for yourself or you should be first uh, to an extent. But in this case, if you don't take care of yourself energy wise, you'll have no energy to help somebody else uh, in the future. So you want to basically... Uh, limit as much time as you can talking with these psychic vampires. You, you don't want to waste all of your energy trying to help them spending hours or days or weeks uh, trying to help them figure out their lives. Uh, it's something that they too have to do on their own. So that's the best way to really protect your energy. Be cautious about it. 
don't get too drained over it. Uh, and it's kind of like, like don't dwell on certain situations or conversations that you have with those people. The fifth one, which is probably the most important one, is check to make sure that you are not becoming a psychic vampire. If you're one of those people, and you know if you are or not, who's constantly reaching out, trying to get people to feel sorry for them, or trying to ask questions, or get people to hang out all the time, or you know, sending random text messages that mean nothing, but you're just trying to get a response just because, well, you may be becoming a psychic vampire. And so that's something you kind of want to step away from. You know, if you feel the urge after you like you feel like you need to reach out to somebody just because you want to, because you're bored or you just want to be like somebody respond to me for any reason, you know, check yourself for a moment. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that every once in a while, especially if you are bored or lonely. But if you're doing it on a repetitive basis, on a regular basis, then you may want to take a step back and really consider who you are and what you're becoming well, as a psychic player. To touch base on that, I mean, quite honestly, social media has made it that much easier. Like, oh, yeah. just throw it out on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that and uh, I mean, think of trolls, for example, you know, Internet trolls. Those people can very well be psychic vampires because the whole point of an Internet troll is to get people kind of riled up about some situation that the troll cares absolutely nothing about. Uh, you know, lately there's a lot of crap about like Donald Trump and there's other stuff like just in media that people are constantly butting heads with individuals who are talking crap. Uh, but the majority of those conversations probably lead nowhere because one of those people really don't care one or the other. They just find amusement in watching other people flounder and cry and argue about stuff. And I'll be honest, sometimes I enjoy that too. <laughs> I don't go online and be a troll. That's I just, I don't like it. But I find it amusing when I see people arguing over stuff that I don't care about. Um, so that's important. I should check myself. Right. Make sure I'm not a psychic vampire. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you don't get into the arguments to where, to cause even more. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's just blowing things out of proportion. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. That's annoying. Now, was there anything further as far as protection? Okay. So, leading from that, going into uh, something a little more on a spiritual side of it, not necessarily a human who can feed off of spiritual energy, but one thing I found kind of fascinating about this is there is a lot of lore that lead to a, a vampire being a uh, some type of demonic uh, entity in nature, or or the a demon has caused the vampirism in these creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. One article that I actually came across on LiveScience.com is by our good friend Benjamin Radford. He did the Clowns book. He did uh, Mm -hmm. the Chupacabra book. We'd had him on. Um, Both of those will be up on the Plus Club for you guys, just so you know. Uh, But there was a quote that he had in here from an author named Matthew uh, Beersford who wrote, From Demons to Dracula, The Creation of the Modern Vampire Myth. 
and it says there are clear foundations for the vampire in the ancient world, and it is po- it is impossible to prove when the myth first arose. There are suggestions that the vampire was born out of sorcery in ancient Egypt, a demon summoned into this world from some other. But I mean, I've seen some myths that go back to Sumerian. Mesopotamian, uh, Babylonian times mm-hmm. that would predate Egyptian lore. So, I mean, it goes even further than that. But it was interesting to see an article by Ben because we haven't ha- had him on in a long time. But it was interesting that he he did an article on uh Vampires. The article is called "Vampires: Fact, Fiction, and Folklore." If you guys want to look it up on Live Science, it's actually a really interesting article. It's um, crazy. Last time we talked to him, I was still living in Virginia. That's like <laughs> two years ago, just over two years ago. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It feels like yesterday. I remember that conversation. Looking with the clown book. Looking through uh, all of the the archives that I did, um, I when I came across both the Chupacabra book that we did the interview for and then then the clowns one i still mm-hmm. remember him with this creepy clown in the background and he had the stupid red nose on as we were doing the interview with him because we were doing <laughs> video at that point um so it was kind of funny just remembering all that different stuff but yeah so we'll have to look and see if if he's coming out with anything that would coincide with what we've what we've got going on for series because he's actually really fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but so going into this, this demon type uh, mindset, you know, the interesting thing about this was I, I kind of looked this up a little bit and that's how I came across the, what I'm calling the vegan vampire. But um, a lot of it. A lot of the folklore for vampires actually kind of links back to magic practitioners and and okay. summoning a demon or or spirit of some kind. And the one thing that I that I came across was mystic investigations, and that's where I came across the the vegan vampire but it says um, magically created vampires are the rarest of three vampire types and have a mostly non-demonic origin simply put a powerful protect practitioner of magic turns a person into a vampire via a curse or powerful spells they cast um, in some cases when talking about witches or warlocks they may call upon demons for power causing somewhat of demonic con- of a demonic connection. And it kind of goes into the human vampire, which you kind of talked about as far as the clubs and stuff they got for that. Um, It goes, the one type of demonic vampire that they talk about is the Nosferatu vampire, which is the vampire with the two teeth in the very front. And um, when you had bought me a book that is supposedly by Van Helsing, one of the Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. It kind of showed a demon with this type of teeth that mm-hmm. possessed the first vampire. So right. they talk about that that is a 
um, a cop, kind of a more indirect demonic vampire and uh, is, is caused by a strain of the bite from the the physical vampires. And it just kind of goes from there. It just talks about how DNA to demonic and, and how it, it kind of relates to this creature that came from a demonic possession. But then I saw this legend about the Utuku. And then we'll get into the one that you found. Uh, but the Utuku, also known as Uruku, is a Bam- Babylonian vampire spirit. This spirit can be good or bad, but according to the Akkadian myths, the Utuki were seven evil demons who were the offspring of Anu, a, Mes- a Mesopotamian god, and Antu, an Akkadian goddess. So interestingly offspring from two god and goddesses from two different cultures altogether. Uh, it's said that the Utuku would torment their victims by possession. Some believe that the Utuku vampire spirit is the spirit of a person who has recently died and returned from the grave for unknown reasons. So you kind of see a spiritual vampire aspect in that legend because it's based on a person's spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, In order to exercise a Utuku demon, the Babylonian people would spin white and black yarn to the canopy of the bed inflicted with evil. Then they would say a chant. Evil Utuku. Good luck. (laughs) It's probably probably a way to summon it, so be careful. (laughs) Evil Alu. Evil Edimu, evil Galu, evil God, evil Rabisu, Labarto, Labasu, Ahazu, Lilu, Lilithu, handmaid of Lilu, which actually Lilu links to Lilith, <laughs> sorcery, enchantment, magic, disaster, machination, which is not good. May they not set their head to his head, their hand to his hand, and their foot to his foot. May they not draw near. Spirit of heaven, mayest thou exercise. Spirit of earth, mayest thou exercise. What I found very interesting about this, especially the first few lines here where it's talking about the Etuku and then Alu, Edemu, Edemu, Galu, Lilu, etc., etc., is that it seems they really don't know what the spirit is or where it's coming from. So they're mentioning everything possible within their faith uh to call it out uh which i don't know i don't know how that works or if that works you know when you think about it like um you you know like so in in catholicism so you typically would find out what a demon's name is you would figure out what the demon's name is and then you go forth with the exorcism that way right um in this case they don't know what the demon's name is so they're just guessing it seems like and it doesn't seem like this is something that would necessarily work offhand because most demons are typically no better uh unless maybe they actually did but you would ideally know the demon's name and then you would continue to taunt that not taunt but like i guess oppress is a weird word to use but you oppress the demon by constantly saying its name reminding it that you know who it is um and this particular chant just seems a little 
I don't know. <laughs> it's, it just seems, it seems a little out there to, to me. It's like... I mean, or maybe all of these names were the name of one... It could be. It could or, be. Or I mean, that, the Utuku could very well be Lilith. But then that would suggest that all... Uh, all of these demons are then female demons, which I mean, which is possible, mm. but I guess, you know, Bam- Babylonian vampiric demons are significantly different from other, uh, vampiric demons or spirits that we, that we know of through like, uh, other European cultures and whatnot. So, right. And even American culture. Um, but it just seems weird that they would all be. No, I know Lilith has been connected to vampirism, uh, especially when we, we hear about Lilith uh, like wanting to devour infants and children. She feeds off of the flesh and blood of infants. Uh, that's very, very much a, a vampiric trait. Uh, and there has been discussion that uh, and, and I, I guess research that has suggested that Lilith was the mother of vampires. Uh, to some extent. Now, you had mentioned earlier that I'd given you the one book or seen the one book about a demon creating the first vampire, which is also very much possible. Uh, and I think the thing that's troublesome is that there's no real evidence or even suggestions as to when the vampire went from a demonic form to a physical human-like form. Uh, that just doesn't seem to exist. It's almost as if it just happened one day and like, poof, and that was it. it like, Evolution, if you will. Um, well, there are some that claim that Cain was the first vampire as well. Yeah, there have there has been those claims as well. I mean, he was the first one to spill human blood. Uh, now, there's no suggestions that he ever drank blood, but that's not to say that the vampiric uh, disease, I guess you can call it, or just the vampiric trait of drinking blood, or you know, whatever, uh, eventually manifested itself over so many years. Or, that, uh, you know, I mean, not that this is biblical or anything, but, or that God would have cursed him to feed on the blood of others because he was the first to spill human blood. Not that that would have happened or anything, or that yeah, it's no. biblically based. No, yeah, absolutely not. Um, but still, I mean, it, it, there, there's always that probability if you, if you wanted to take that route and, and you know, try to, I guess try to follow that. Um, with Cain, it was he killed Abel, and then God, instead of destroying Cain or punishing him in that in the way you would typically think uh, one should be punished for for murder, uh, he simply put a mark on Cain's forehead, I believe it was, and he had to live the rest of his life with that mark. People were never to touch him. God even that's what the mark represented. It was so people knew who he was and what he did. And no one was allowed to harm him in any way. He was basically protected by God. Uh, I don't know the full extent to that protection or why necessarily. I'm sure it has a lot to do with being uh, Adam and Eve's uh, first sons. I'm sure that was a big part of it. But Cain did go on to create the Canaanites, which was a very relevant uh, cultural group within the within the Bible and throughout history. Uh, so there is that possibility. You know, God is always uh, in early times using certain individuals to lead us closer to Christ uh, or the coming of Christ. So anyway, back on topic of vampires, it would seem definitely here in the Babylonian uh, 
I guess, faith or religion or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Let's just call it mythology. <laughs> mythology, yes. It's Babylonian mythological stuff. Um, these seven evil demons could have very well all been female. But that's kind of weird because, again, here we are. Like I was saying, it seems weird that they're saying all these names. But again, if you look at evil Utik, Utuku, we don't know who, what that represents necessarily. I know the picture here shows a female right. uh, biting on somebody. Then we have Lilu or Lilithu, which is a woman handmade of Lilu. Handmade of Lilu is interesting. That would be like maybe Lilith's right. whatever. Uh, but then here we have evil Galu and evil God. God is not a term used for female you know, anything. God is a male. Uh, so you would suspect it to be goddess, but again, it doesn't. So I don't know exactly what, what this chant is really doing. I think it's maybe just calling out on everything. And, and we know it's not like the seven because there's more than seven here. So, you know, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Let's get into the one that you had actually come across. Yeah, so I came across a vampire uh, of India known as the Vitella. Now, the Vitella, if this comes from vampires.com, it's where I found it on. Um, the Vitella are a class of demons, basically, in Hindu mythology that have the power to enter the bodies of humans or animal corpses and reanimate them. Now, unlike the majority of things that we normally know about uh, vampires, which is typically that these vampires just die and then come back from the dead for one reason or another. It could be a curse. It could be a spirit. It could be something else. Uh, but most modern belief is that these vampires come back knowing who they are to some extent and knowing who their family was. Mm-hmm. In the case of the Vitella, that is not uh, the, the, the uh, I hate to say the word case again, but that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in this case, uh, particularly they can enter living victims as well and manipulate them as they please. But generally the Vitella stick to inhabiting the bodies of dead people. This myth is also connected with like burial rites, or even in some cases, the circumstances of a person's death. Uh, but if a body is buried improperly or does not receive the proper rights, the body is in danger of becoming possessed by the Vitella. So these people who are, who died are then reanimated have no conception whatsoever of who they are because their spirit is no longer with that body. The spirit is completely gone and re-inhabited by another spirit. So unlike modern day vampires that know who they are or where they come from, these people are strictly demonic entities uh, within a corpse, within a human body. There is, you know, our typical belief of, at least the modern European belief, uh, according to mythology, of course, that there are ways to kill vampires. This could be a stake through the heart, as it was originally. It could be uh, nailing a, a pla- basically placing a vampire back in the coffin and nailing it shut and putting a rose on top of it. That would prevent it from coming out uh, of the uh, out of the grave again. Uh, among other rituals, such as bricks being placed in the mouths and certain objects being placed at the head and feet and sides of the burial grounds. Uh, but unlike the European mythological belief system of killing vampires, you simply cannot kill 
the body of a Batella. Um, because it's already dead. Exactly. So harming or damaging the corpse that the Batella inhabits, inhabits does nothing to destroy the Batella itself. It simply departs from the corpse and finds a new one to inhabit. Uh, the Batella are typically not friendly creatures at all. Uh, they're actually one of the most vicious vampires of Indian lore, and they delight in destruction, killing children, causing miscarriages, and driving people insane. And in some cases, though, the Vitella are portrayed in a positive light, which is very interesting considering of all we just heard. Right. Uh, <laughs> but the Vitella in the Betel uh, Pachisi, I'm not exactly sure how to say that, I'm sorry, uh, but in this particular case uh the Vitella is shown as a heroic character saving the life of a protagonist the king um so mainly these characters these creatures are relatively evil one of the most dangerous and wicked things in indian lore um they can't be killed there's nothing that really says they can be cast out they just kind of do what they want when they want how they want um and unlike most cases of vampirism, this one takes a completely different route because it it basically chooses its host that's typically dead uh, and does what a demon does. Now, there's nothing that really says it goes out and drinks blood like the European vampire does, mm-hmm. but killing children, causing destruction, causing miscarriages, which is an interesting one that goes into more of a spiritual side of it. Uh, and even driving people insane is another one. You know, this is a psychological warfare as opposed to your physical one you would get with their typical vampires that we know of today. So vastly different and significantly a much older creature altogether. And, you know, that's kind of interesting because I've never heard of, um, spirits or, or demons, not that I can remember anyways, possessing dead bodies. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember now if I've ever came across anything like it. Do you remember ever coming across any entities? Spirits? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, you know, I can't think of anything offhand in which we ever saw that. Um, it's really interesting to think of it. Cause I mean, you know, we typically just think that vampires, however it happens, you know, they, they, a person dies and then comes back as a vampire. They never mm-hmm. die as a vampire and come back still as a vampire. Right. They always die as a human, then come back as a vampire, which then goes into the whole, you know, can go to the spiritual side of it and figure it's demons, but often it's related to a curse or something like that. Something of that nature. Um, so yeah, you know, reanimating a corpse is, is a little different. I think it goes into more of the zombie side of things actually a little bit. Uh, sort of, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's weird. All right. So before we go to break, I'll bring this up and then we'll get your thoughts at the end. But there's a vampire called Soul Vampire or Reverse Vampire. I'm going to refer to it as the vegan vampire. Um, Now, the interesting thing about this is just like any uh, the the vampires that drink blood. 
Um, all all of the powers are are the same as, as those vampires. Now here's the difference: instead of blood, they consume the chlorophyll of plants. <clears throat> Both chlorophyll and hemoglobin, the main component of human blood, share a similar atomic structure. The only difference between the two is that human blood consists of iron, where chlorophyll consists of magnesium. Sunlight increases their powers, these vampires, compared to the ones that drink blood, because those ones are nocturnal. And they can eat any plant in the world, including, including poisonous ones. Now, the interesting part about this is the folklore of the how to kill them. Unlike normal vampires, uh, they can only be killed by beheading or complete incineration. But the flames have to be at least 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit to completely incinerate. So you can only kill them... Unlike the state, you know, the stake in the heart, holy water, all all that other stuff doesn't really affect them. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it goes into a couple of legends, uh, one of which being the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar having um, a vampire fall in love with somebody in his court. And that's about it. But it, I, it was actually kind of interesting to see that there's this legend that bases it on, on them feeding on plants. So um, before we get any more into it, we're going to take a quick break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We will be right back right after this. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time. To reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. 
Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. Join me the last Sunday of every month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, and Paranormal Radio. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we've been talking about vampires. Spiritual vampires, psychic vampires, demonic vampires, basically all vampires. Um, and we learned a couple of new things today. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Tuku. We've talked about the Vitella. We've talked about various psychic vampires and what they are. Um, we've talked about demonic hybrids and demons themselves of course a little bit about lilith um and right before we went to break justin mentioned the vegan (laughs) can't even say it without laughing the vegan vampire which must be a relatively new uh myth i'd imagine i don't know how much truth is to this this legend i mean it's from that that same uh website mysticinvestigations.com that I came across the the four types of vampires and how demons are connected to vampirism. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was interesting. I've I've never heard it before. Hmm. I mean, it's really interesting. It's an interesting concept, uh, to say the least. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, because, and here's why. Like, so I, I, you're saying that the that the vegan vampire is a completely different type of vampire from its predecessor, the one that drinks blood. It, so this is the only reason I'm asking. Saying, I honestly okay. don't see anything that really says how this particular vampire is created, or I don't. Maybe it's a vampire that chooses to feed on plants instead of people i don't know it doesn't really give a yeah. lot it's it's really weird because like i mean if it's a completely different type of vampire that's one thing but choosing is a completely different thing because you would figure like it, it's it, based on lore mm-hmm. the vampire is very much not a choosy type of creature it doesn't really have the ability to choose what it wants to do it's fully fueled on instinct, uh, much like the big cats of the world or the, you know, the various animals that are just instincts. You know, you don't see uh, a, a lion going out and eating vegetables because it wants to protect its typical prey from harm. You know, it goes out and it eats meat. That's what it needs to do. And the vampire legend has always been the same. It's one desire to drink blood. Okay, well, here, and, I actually okay. found the legend here. Uh, this is the 
what I brought up about uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar. Vampire fell in love with a, a fair royal lass who spurned his advances due to his bloodlust. He asked the wizard to remove the desire for blood, yet at the same time keep his powers. The wizard did so and enchanted the vampire with an unknown potion and magical spell. The vampire was then sickened by blood, which had been his sustenance and source of strength. He grew ever weaker and frail with each passing day. The wizard could provide him with no alternative and was unable to return his ability to ingest blood. Finally, one night in the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, he became mesmerized by a giant mystical Venus flytrap type plant enchanted by the wizard as well as from an earlier experiment on behalf of the king. The vampire bit it into it and began drinking the chlorophyll, which tasted like sweet sugar to him. So soon gained his strength back and was able to t- walk in the sunlight. But unfortunately, he didn't realize his powers power was now linked to that plant's chlorophyll fill. And once it wore off, he burst into flames and died in the sunlight in front of his horrified lover. That sucks. <laughs> Especially if it's winter and those plants no longer exist. <laughs> I should have stuck with the blood. Um, I mean, so, I mean, in that case, again, we don't know when that was written or how old that this particular myth altogether is um, or story. But, I mean, if that's the case, then we're talking about completely different vampire. However, this would be one vampire because there's nothing in the story that says or clarifies that it is a a uh, a vile vampire like the 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 majority of them. So uh, in this case, it's not spreading its ability to other people or vampires. It's one vampire who happened to be given this ability to be vegan. Uh, so in that case, I mean, I, th- I think we're looking at the vegan vampire as more of a Dracula character. It's a one and only. You know, there's only one Dracula. There's only one vegan vampire, uh, and it's something that just doesn't spread around. So, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting story. And probably the only one we'll ever come across, but I thought I'd throw it in there, even though we were trying to link it to, like, a a spiritual nature (laughs) for vampires. (laughs) So, um what are some of your thoughts on the stuff we've kind of covered? Like, is this kind of stuff you've kind of already believed? Do you, do you think that, uh, it is more of a curse per se, or is it, is it just a legend and people are just feeding into it? And then we've started these vampire clubs and that sort of thing. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, I, I think I've said it with vampires, especially is that, um, it's kind of, it kind of, it's kind of both worlds. You know, there's, I feel like there's, there's this myth, uh, that could be true to some extent. Um, but as far as we know, it's just a myth. The creatures don't really exist. Um, at least not the physical aspect of them. Uh, spiritually it's possible, but again, there's no real substance to, to hold on to here. Uh, but with modern, with modern day, 
comes modern people and modern people like these old myth mythological legends they want to be them those creatures and so yeah we you know we have people who are out there who are actually drinking blood or who are psychic vampires and draining energy um who are going to these clubs or otherwise you know um so i i think there's there's some individuals even consider uh serial killers or some serial killers to be vampires in their own right i mean they're not drinking blood but they're still you know they're they're draining blood they're draining a life force as we learned what the psychic vampire does drains life force um so yeah you know i think there's i think there's some truth to you and i've said it before there's always some type of truth behind every myth uh, every legend every story so in this case i don't know where exactly it begins um and as of right now i don't see where it can possibly end (laughs) because it just keeps on going um but I, I think the, the the two things that I learned today that are just new was the Vertella and then the 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 vampire that you brought up. Yeah. So I think those are the two that are interesting to me. Um, and I, I think I think personally, I, I think the Vertella is a little more interesting just because of how it takes possession of or reanimates the dead uh, instead of, you know, what a normal vampire is a person you know this is something vastly different so yeah and now the the legend for the vitella it said it didn't say anything about drinking blood did it say anything about eating anything at all it didn't say anything about eating anything uh it just likes to kill destroy uh manipulate and yeah that's about it i mean <laughs> it just it just likes to you know? That's where some of, of the the vampire lore probably comes from, then, because if you look at the the modern day vampire in, in pop culture now, where they they aren't really evil per se, in the sense that they're kind of just like humans. They they work off of good and bad, but um, and, and I think that was the same part for the Vitella. They don't they didn't consider it an evil creature, right? No, they do. They, they definitely consider it one of the most evil creatures in Indian oh. lore. Oh, it was the, um, where it was good and bad. Yeah. Um, there, there, this, there is one legend or story in which the Bertella happened to be considered a good creature. And that was when it saved a King, uh, for something. And so the Bertella became, a hero in that one story. But aside from that one story, it's one of the most evil creatures in lore. So, yeah, I think that's the most fascinating part to me because I, I kind of knew the whole demon association with vampires because like I had said, the, the book that you had gotten me as well as um, just some random things here and there, but to actually see that there was vampiric spirits, which I mean, I had kind of heard about, but not really delved into per se the the myth and legend stuff about them. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it's interesting to see that there are these different things out there, and that's probably where a lot of vampire folklore came from: is a little bit here, a little bit there, and then we have a, a vampire that is a human that comes out of the grave after they've died from being bit from a vampire. Right. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, you know, I, I think there's, 
there's uh, probably a couple other ways to look at this. And I think, you know, a lot of these, this lore, you know, we just see it as lore. You know, we, we don't really think much of it. It's just stories that were presented and created over time to what we have now. But when you look at our, uh, just, just the world, when you look at its inhabitants, and I don't mean humans, but uh, in this case, creatures, uh, there are creatures that simply drink blood as their main food source. Mm. Vampire bats are one of those creatures. Uh, now, we often see the vampires associated with bats. Uh, bats are black cats or black dogs, uh, but mainly bats. And I think it is entirely possible, uh, and this goes along with our, our uh, the werewolf myth, because some people believe that the werewolf myth came about when uh, people would see individuals with a disease, and I, forgive me offhand, I cannot think of the disease, but it would create like... Uh, the the like skin on your near your fingers to recede making your nails look longer uh the gums would recede making your teeth look uh longer and sharper uh some people had hair so like such as that particular case in which this there'd be this receding of the gums and the finger uh skin on the fingers to create longer nails uh people with like hair all over their body there's a disorder with that obviously we all know that um you know, people would start started thinking, oh, they're they're werewolves, you know, and they would create these legends and they, you know, they, they'd outcast these people. Uh, and so the werewolf legend was born that way, possibly. Um, but as such, we know that there's vampire bats and vampires are creatures that are capable of, of carrying diseases as well. And I think it's entirely possible, although it would be very rare in Europe. But nonetheless, uh, possible that a vampire bat could have bit somebody because they do drink blood. And there have been cases of vampires, who are vampire bats, which typically drink like blood of mammals and other animals, like small mammals and animals, you know, birds, things like that. Uh, but there have been cases where they'll drink like human blood when in, in need, you know, somebody sleeping. Uh, but if one of these bats are carrying rabies, bit the person person wakes up with his bite mark and then boom, they've got rabies. Suddenly you've got this crazy, who knows what vampire like person, you know, uh, and suddenly the vampire thing is born. Now, again, it doesn't have to be the vampire bat in particular. It can be any bat because the vampire bat is pretty much centralized to tropical America, uh, which means it wouldn't have existed in Europe or Africa in those areas. Um, but that's not to say that some creature, or bat of some sort didn't bite somebody and create uh, or spread the disease of rabies and hence your vampire is born. So I think there are some logical explanations as to why vampires exist, uh, quote unquote. But again, there's real no true evidence uh, showing us where the legend begins. Right. Yeah. Well, and something I had mentioned off air was that, you know, we've talked about, uh, a, a spiritual type creatures that are called like vampire demons and whatnot. And you see it in, in paranormal investigation now where people will feel drained or mm-hmm. tired after an investigation or they'll, their equipment gets drained and that sort of thing. And it, that's something that's not always the case. It just happens every so often or whatever. So it makes you wonder are there actually spirits trying to feed off of you and your equipment to manifest or are these vampiric spirits that are just trying to feed off you period. So I think that's about all we've got for this week. Um, 
we're going to continuing this this little series of spiritual uh, cryptids and next week, and then after that, we'll be moving on to the next series. Uh, still going to be cryptid based, but we'll try and get into some more less known cryptids. But next week is still on the spiritual note. So until next week, folks, where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. .com The Hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. 